Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Now, before we begin, you know it's a tradition for us here in the 305 Culture. How you doing, Kevin? Kenneth. Called Kevin. <laughs> I was about to say, wait a minute, who is Kevin? And I forgot my customary uh, yeah, yeah, now, so now, I guess you didn't know it was let, me. I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Now, let me... Let me excuse myself. It's just that I've been watching a lot of the leftovers lately, and you know the main character is called Kevin Garvey. So I don't know, it's ah, Kenneth Kevin. So yeah, I've been JJ. Your love for cinema and television creeping into the real world. Yeah, but my apologies, Kenneth. No, nah, there you How go. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I mean, my co-host called me somebody else, but I think I can get over that. <laughs> yeah, I sure. Hope you can because the let's keep the ball rolling. The Miami Heat, you know, only played one game since we last recorded. So it was a win over the Portland Trailblazers, 115-109 to the Blazers. And a game that had two incidents that we'll be discussing a bit in depth here. But first, let's recap the game. Max Drews led the way in scoring for the Miami Heat with 25 points. And Fernie Simons led the Portland Trailblazers with 28 and all scores. Omar Yurtseven had his, I believe, his 10th straight double-digit rebounding game, right? Yep. Wow. So, and he, he's he been in good company. You know, he's been with some names now in terms of his rebounding streak. Absolutely. I, I and, that's, and that's something that we didn't really discuss to touch on in the pre-pod, but that's something we should go deeper into. Because, I mean, you know I have a love-hate relationship with your, You know that. I love the dude, but at the same time, I hate how much we're putting on him because we're setting ourselves up. And we'll get into that a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. No, absolutely. I understand what you're saying. Hell, we, we even referenced it by not naming he who shall not be named. but Right, but you know, they dropped... But, but see, we can say it now because they dropped that nugget on the telecast the other night too and they dropped it in a positive way but how in the hell can you drop it in a positive way the guy stole a hundred million dollars from us he was never the same after he got the deal and it's very hassanish it's very hassanish and the thing about your is he can't help but get double digit rebounds because he misses he's too damn five, tall <laughs> well he misses five layups a game and always gets his rebound but he's the biggest guy on the court so if he made some of those layups, then he wouldn't get the rebounds. Now, I'm overly joyed that he goes and gets the rebound. Uh, look, I told you, love-hate relationship. I love that he plays physical, he plays tough, and all the beating up that UD has did on him in practice is certainly paying off because he don't feel these little dudes in the game when he going to snatch these boys. However, i like you to convert some more of those points, and if that means seven to eight more points and three less rebounds, I'm going to take that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But still... I've seen some people clamoring for him to to get some minutes alongside Bam. And listen, when Bam, Detman, and Markeith come back, Yurt's not going to get a lick of, say, of time. He might not see the floor, right? Yeah. And so, there's actually a discussion out there is should Yurt be the backup center? No, 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 no. No. Hell no. I mean, he's, no, a, no. he's, a, he's, a, he's a great rebounder relative to his minutes, relative to his... I mean, I said it. He's a great rebounder relative to all of that. However, his deficiencies and what you get in that veteran savviness, a toughness, a physicality, a know-how, and, you know, a semblance, I would even dare say our greatest semblance of paint protection with the Dwayne Deadman, because Bam really isn't a shot blocker, be that a function of how he plays the game or the fact that he's always you know not necessarily by the rim because he guards everybody for us i've already Dwayne, outlined i've already outlined my ideal defensive plan for bam and it does not involve him as a rim protector right exactly because that's not where he's best you don't get the most out of him relying on him or i would 
actually use this word, relegating him to just being a rim protector. He's a complete defender. So when you're talking about our greatest semblance of actual rim protection in Dwayne Dedman, there's no way that Yurt's going to play before him. Not for me. No, I don't think for Spo either because I listen, Spo given credit because he gives opportunities to guys even when he's clearly in championship contention mode he gives opportunities to you know to young guys absolutely and, and that's how we got here that's how we got to the reference same thing happened with a son yeah so but yeah this is this team has shown to be too good even without jimmy and bam for him to get extent an extended run when all the veterans are healthy but still absolutely and now, and let's and now let's do this. Now that we've gave the real world talk, now that we've done our jobs and given you the actual factuals of the basketball and how it will look when we're pursuing our ultimate goal this year as a team, which is a title, let's do the respectful and right thing and give the man his flowers. Because in our time of need, without Bam, when we've needed him to step up big and be a presence near that rim, grabbing boards, at least being a barrier between guys in the cup for easy baskets at the rim, he's been there and he's done that job to a T. And I give the man his flowers and much respect for that fact. Always. He deserves all the praise he's getting. Well, not all the praise. We, we just had a discussion about that. But you know, right, you know yeah, what I'm he saying. Isn't, he isn't Hall of Fame Yurt 7 like everybody's putting on him. But he's been very good for us. And you appreciate that from a guy also, of his ilk and experience. Also, something just, you know, it's been in my mind the last couple of days. I think Heat fans might be... I don't want to, well, for a lack of a better word, spoiled. Because we think that every sign we guy off the street, we sign off the street, is going to turn into a serviceable, at least a serviceable NBA player. That just doesn't happen. That's, 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 that just doesn't happen. We're probably, I would probably point to the guys up north as the only other organization that can do that, is just sign a guy that nobody else had even considered and turned him into a legit NBA player. There's three so, organiza- there's three organizations that can do it and they all have that thing in common. The one you speak of up north actually has a lot of heat culture, not just tendencies, but has had a lot of heat culture parts. I mean, I know you know where Nick Nurse, you know, initially, you know, got, you know, broke his chops, right? With the Miami Heat in the developmental league with Sioux Falls. Um, but then you go back and you look at the other, the other organization that can do that. The San Antonio Spurs, there are a lot of similarities between the Spurs and the Miami Heat. It's no wonder they've clashed like they did. And then you'll also look at the fact that spoke, I mean, that coach pop loves him some spoke. So that's the parallel there. So you look at those three organizations as the teams that can do it. Um, and yeah, the Spurs haven't done it quite to the magnitude of maybe the Miami Heat or the Raptors. But, yeah, you do make a point. We are spoiled. But that's only because our guys are so good. I mean, you look at, like, I mean, I'm not going to say his name anymore, like Voldemort. He was not to be named. You look at Hassan. You look at guys like Duncan. You look at Big Max. You got to say the big. Big Max. Click, oh, yeah, Big Max. Um, I mean, you look, at, you look at guys like Derrick Jones Jr., who Phoenix couldn't find a role for. And this is when Phoenix was trash. We're not talking about – this last two years iteration of Phoenix with this, Chris this Paul, you know what I mean? Th- mid mid twenty tens Phoenix Suns, right? Which we're, we're talking about horrendous. Some, some butt booty cut, and they couldn't find a role for athletic freak like DJJ, um, who we proceeded to you know bring in and turn into a great rotation, a role guy for us. You know what I mean? He does his job. He makes some highlight plays. He gives the team and the fan base a lot of energy when he makes those plays. And we found a role for him. I mean, we consistently do that. So I agree. We are and he got paid. Oh, absolutely. And he went and got his money. But that's what we do. But that's a part of why we're spoiled. But that's only because our guys have been so good at it. So I agree with you. Yeah. So, Kenneth, I'm not going to say you're guilty of this. You did reference this. But there are some. I've, I've seen some people claiming, clamoring for, you know, giving the roster spot that could be given to Marcus Garrett, give it to Kyle, a guy like, pardon, no pun intended, Kyle Guy, or something like that. I mean, listen, uh, he's been fine and all, but as soon as he, as soon as we don't need him, I, I don't think 
he will be here beyond that. But he has given us some good minutes. What I'm trying to say here is that not every guy that you sign up, that you see the Heat signing, will turn out to be really good. I mean, case in point, no disrespect to the guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to grill him or anything, but Chris Silva, great energy player, but unfortunately, at this point, still doesn't look like an like a long-term NBA player. Not probably his best case scenario right now is just a bench warmer because he's getting minutes right now because we just need him out there. So still, yeah. To close this point on the spoil the spoiliness, I don't know. That's not a word. Whatever. So of the Miami Heat fan base, we should always pop the brakes. It's better to be safe than sorry. And then you get burned like the Dark Lord. So, with that being let said, me, let me let me let me touch it. Let me let me not retort because I'm not disagreeing with you at all. As I've done for the you know entirety of dispute, I completely agree. But I do have to say two things. You're right. Chris Silva will never be a starter. Chris Silva will never be a six man. But he has a lot of joy, Anthony, to him. And there are roles for guys like that because nobody's going to work harder than him. I love him as a 15th man on the bench. Do I take him and use our last roster spot on him? No, but there's a reason we brought him back and there's a reason we signed him. Would he be a guy that I love to stick back in our G League, help to continue to develop his ball skills instead of a charge on the drive, maybe being able to make the cross-court pass to PJ to get him some more of those things to go along with the fact that there's nobody on the floor that's going to outwork him? I would love that. But as you mentioned, no, he's not ever going to be a starter or a six-man or ever going to be, you know, an offensive focal point. But he's a guy that I love to be my 14th or 15th man on the future of a roster. Because if you're looking at the guys we have, like Dwayne Dedman, he got four or five years left. Jimmy Butler, four or five. You know what I mean? Like our roster in the next four or five years is going to turn over and we'll be led by guys like Tyler and Bam. But when you look at guys like Kyle Guy, who, no, I don't think that he'll have a 15 to 20 minute rotational spot once we're fully healthy. I do think that if you're looking to add a piece and with all of the 10-day hardship deals that has came out, I've actually written this in the past week or so at All You Can Heat, where you can always find me for all your Miami Heat content written needs. Be ashamed not to do a plug. Check your boy out at allyoucanheat.com. Um, Check them out, that. y'all. Absolutely. I wrote that the thing about it is with the protocols and the 10-day hardship deals going out you know, every day, there may not be much of a buyout market. So whereas teams can usually wait till after that trade deadline to, you know, get a couple of good pieces to come around to maybe see if they want to add them, that opportunity may not be there because a lot of these guys have been filtered through. Heck, if you look at Houston, Joe Green just came off the bench as a coach. I'm retiring, seeing all these guys go get that money. I made a tweet today. He probably got tired of busting ass in practice and said, look, I can do this, but not so cheap, and came back. But if you look at situations like that, the market isn't going to be as robust as it typically is. So if you get a guy like Cal Guy that's coming in and giving you shooting, he's giving you better defense than you thought he would give you, and you can finagle it so that it'll cost you peanuts, as opposed to potentially waiting around for somebody who might end up sitting at the end of your bench anyway, I think he is a guy that you give a shot. And and I lose it specifically like this. Shooting is a premium. That's the premium skill in the NBA right now. And the guy can clearly shoot the ball. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something you take a hard look at. When you look at how you get it done, Caleb Martin is a two-way guy, right? And now with the two-way situations, you can have them on your roster all year. It's in the same, you know, um, agenda as the 10-day hardship deals. So what you do is you convert Caleb Martin – and that deal will still cost you peanuts while then giving Kyle Guy the two-way who you can keep around all year. I mean, there's a way to get it done, and I understand what you're saying. Every guy isn't going to turn into a good NBA player, isn't going to be a serviceable NBA player, but there are certain guys that pop out. And Kyle Guy has the guts, the nuts, the coconuts, the cojones. So you, you really give him a second look. Cojones guy. So... Let's talk a bit about the Blazers game. Let's talk about the incidents that have kind of overshadowed the result. Fortunately, in, mm. in a game with an incident that caught a bit of, of national attention on NBA Twitter, 
we actually won this game. We weren't we weren't getting blown out, fortunately. But still, let's talk I mean, about it. It was a very wanky one, man. Um, it started out all Miami Heat, even though they didn't have, you know, Jimmy who had injured himself in Golden State and Bam who's yet to return from the thumb surgery. Um, the Miami although, Heat just although we, on the Bam point, look, sorry to interrupt. We did see some pictures of him doing some on court work. Oh no, Anthony um Anthony Chiang of the Miami Herald actually reported today that Bam is, you know, he's he's gearing back up to, you know, make a return. So I I suspect in the next couple of weeks here we'll actually either see him getting back on the floor for a couple of minutes to get ramped up, you know, cuz I'm sure he won't jump back in those regular minutes low so or but- we'll have a better a clearer vision on the timeline. Go ahead. By ramped up, does he mean he has started on-court activities? Absolutely. That was the report. The report was actually just a couple of words and then video of Bam doing on-court work. Ooh. So, like I like I told you in, in our text, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the back end of the trip or at the just when the trip is over and on the first home game after the trip. I wouldn't be surprised Absolutely. to see him back by then. But, I mean, you also got to think about it. This is something that I told you. If they told us four to six from the beginning, that four to six was firm. Because I remember you were worried that it might be a little longer. Now, mind you, we're just coming up on five. So we're still right in real firmly in that four to six. You know what I mean? I always I always told myself that it was going to be six weeks. Right. And because- I and- and and you were but you were worried for a minute that it could be longer because there was a little quietness oh, yeah. on the issue. So yeah, that's yeah. all. And there was a report from five recent sports, I believe, that right that, that, that's the a, injury absolutely. could actually take. There was a possibility it could take two to three months or something yep. like that. Yep. And, and I right now that. we're we're at a month right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said we're firmly coming up on that five. So if you time it out to what we're seeing. Your timeline and everything we've been told, because as I mentioned then, listen, they gave us four to six to give themselves a window. If they thought it would be longer, they either wouldn't have said nothing or they would have gave us a longer window because as fans, or they we're going to... They would have just said out indefinitely. Right. They would have given themselves that leeway. And we're talking about us. We've given ourselves so much flowers as an organization. We're talking about the Miami Heat. Yes, they keep things close to the vest, but things that you need to know... Even if it isn't for us, they're letting the team know, hey, put your big boy pants on. We don't know when Bam coming back, but y'all still expected to go out here and do your job. Yeah. God, on, on a side note, God damn, I miss Bam. He's my favorite player. I mean, been, we all miss Bam, bro. Because look at been, it, we've been good without Bam, right? We've been really good without Bam. And I mean, a spotty lineup. I mean... Jimmy sometime, not Jimmy sometime, regular guys sometime, 10 days sometime, uh, Haywood High Smith playing center. I mean, you know what I mean? So imagine when we get Bam and the regular guys back and everything's somewhat normal, bro. Like we're, I mean, you can say what you want, and this isn't me being a homer. This is me knowing what I know about the league, seeing what I've seen from us and looking around the league. We're top five team in the league, bro. Absolutely. Minimum. Minimally, we're top five team in the league, and we're a threat to win it all. I have no doubt about that, and you know, I like that that we haven't been receiving some attention. Although I have seen some corners, particularly uh, there was a episode of the Low Post where he kind of went out of his way to say, "Hey, um, Miami's still hanging around, and Butler and Bam have barely been playing, so look out." But other than that, I haven't seen much praise for the Heat, and you know that. You know what? I will tell enjoy, you this: we enjoy that shit. Absolutely, because we we not and it's not just that we enjoy being the underdog, but it's just it and everybody likes to poo poo on it and they like to call it cliche and a cute saying, but that's culture, bro. We don't need the spotlight because you don't need the spotlight to do your work. That's why the whole Jimmy Butler getting up early in the morning was such a big deal for us. And even though people try to make a joke of it, well, what is he going to do? You're going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and work out with Jimmy Butler? Like, no, like that's a big deal for us because what that means is it doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter if I have an audience. I don't give a damn if the rest of the world is still going to be asleep for five hours. I'm going to get my work in. I'm going to grind. I'm going to hustle. 
I'm going to continue to do the things that I need to do to separate myself from the next man to make it so that when that clock is ticking down at the 47th minute of 48, when you're gasping for air, I still got another gear to go to. Hell yeah. That's the heat culture. Also, Jimmy, could you consider wearing better shoes, you know, for your with better angle support? Thank you. So. Come on, man. Don't hate. Don't don't do that to the goat. Don't do that to the goat. <laughs> That's the GOAT. That's the GOAT brand, man. That's the Miami Heat's greatest of all time brand. D-Wade, he's sorry. He's sorry. But yeah, Jimmy, can we consider getting you some high top leanings, please? Um, I mean, he was hooping in those Jordans that he wore in the fi- in the finals, so hey. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk about the incidents in the game. First, uh, you want to talk Kyle Lowry or Tyler Hero? Let's get Tyler Hero out the way because I think that'll be the shorter of the two. All right. Well, in the middle of the game, Yusuf Nurkic set out set a hard screen. And by the way, um, no, I, at the end at the end of the game, it was. You know what? We didn't really. You, I'm sorry. Let's 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 do the people a service. Um, JJ is in Puerto Rico, who's an hour behind regular time, and with the West Coast trip, the Miami Heat game didn't start until midnight practically anyway. So he was a bit in and out. To give you a quick recap of the Portland game. Basically, we started out in a situation where we got up by almost 20 points. Um, It was a situation where one team on the floor was struggling to create offense, and thank God it wasn't the Miami Heat. Then Cal Laurie got ejected, which we'll talk about, and the Miami Heat had to get themselves back together. That allowed Portland to close the gap and eventually late in the game tying it at 90. The Miami Heat were eventually able to make enough plays, get enough plays from Tyler Hero, Max Struess, as we mentioned, Omar Yesterman, and the rest of the guys. P.J. Tucker hit some big threes, made some big tough plays, played it so like wait, it was wait, game wait. four of the finals. And where would we be without P.J. Tucker, by the way? Nowhere. Uh, absolutely. He's, I our mean, Lord, he's, been, he's our Lord and Savior. He's been colossal for us. Never would have made it. Would have been, I mean, colossal. Colossal, By the bro. way, you want to know an interesting fact, courtesy of my friend Bo Estes, who you might What's happen that? to know as the as the as the goatmentator from NBA.com. PJ Tucker, where do you think PJ Tucker ranks in three point percentage this season? Probably the entire top, NBA, probably top five. You, you got to pick a number, man. I'll say four. He's two. Oh wow! Because I know Cam Johnson. I know Cam Johnson is up there somewhere. Um, yeah, Cam Johnson is four. Okay. So, okay, so ladies that, and gentlemen, that, that was my number. On the on the year twenty twenty two, on in his age thirty five season, the year of our Lord and Savior PJ Tucker, Puerto Rican legend PJ Tucker is shooting forty six point two percent from deep. Puerto Rican legend PJ Tucker. <laughs> I get it. The boy from Carolina, but he's played all over the world. We claim him as Puerto Rican now. El es el PJ Tucker. So that's his name now. What JJ said. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, 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 okay. Let's let's get back into yeah, it because we, yeah, went, we went off track there. Oh, no, 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 no. But it was great, though, because you had to give PJ his love, man, because if he hadn't fought like he did and hit those big threes after we got tied at 90, um, the Miami Heat wouldn't have been able to get the separation that they did to be able to close the door on the Blazers. And that's eventually – great segue here, by the way. That's eventually what led into the Tyler Hero situation. It was about a minute left in the game. Nurkic saw that they were going to lose. His only opportunity to get what he considered probably was some quote-unquote get back or to make himself feel good about the loss – was a set of hard screen. Happens all the time in the league. We see it all the time. Now, if you ask me, Tyler Hero shouldn't have went and pushed Nurkic. If he wanted to push somebody, he should have waited until after the game and pushed the hell out of Omer Yurtsevin because Yurt was For the not guy calling out the screen. Because Yurt was the guy that didn't let him know, hey, there's a big Serbian waiting on you. He's Bosnian, by the way. Oh, he's Bosnian? He is Bosnian. I'm yeah. sorry, Serbia. I'm sorry, Bosnia. I get him and Jokic confused. I apologize. There's a big Bosnian waiting on you, not Serbia. Yeah. He's Eastern the people European. People will understand. Yeah, there's a big Eastern European waiting on you. Let's, let's <laughs> work at it correctly. I don't, 
you know, they know I'm just, you know, spit yeah. it out. I'm not trying to fit nobody. I just want to. And if you want to be I safer, like. if you want to be safer, just say there's a big ass white dude. There's standing a big your white way. dude waiting on you. And mind you, he's seven foot three twenty. Yeah. Continue, Kenneth. At that point, Tyler Hero took offense. By the way, I do appreciate the correction. I like the way you just slithered out Eastern European there, like you on your geography stuff. They don't know you like I do, JJ. I'm always on my shit, Kenneth. You know. I see. I see. I see. Tyler Hero took offense to the screen, proceeded to get up and go and shove Nurkic in the back. Nurkic took offense to that. And he came back. And upon coming back to the scrum where Tyler Hero was already being held back, Nurkic kind of got one in. And he slipped him with a little left-hand jab. I think it was a left-hand jab. Either way, he got a good one in. I thought and he slapped him. I, I saw the video. I It looked, looked right. almost like a slap. So I don't know if he a, had a full... I don't know if he had a fully closed fist. But. Right. It was either a closed fist, a nice little palm joint, or either a flat-out slap. But either way, he got although, a quick although, little tag in. Although, you know, as a man, I fully expect him to have a, a, fu a fully closed punch. Here's the thing, man. I agree with you, but what Nurkic was trying to do was game the system. He wanted to tag him, but then if he doesn't have the hand closed, when the league goes to try to say, hey, you punched him, he oh, can well, say, ah, if, ah, 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 I didn't punch him. I slapped him like a little bitch. If he had his fist closed, that would have been a, a suspension. There you go. You see what I'm saying? So I and get it if he, didn't have it fist, if he didn't have his fist closed. And especially without Damian Lillard in the lineup for how many, you know, for who knows how much longer or if it's going to be spotty. And, of course, Dame has struggled with C.J. McCollum and his lung situation. You absolutely cannot have them without Nurkic. Because who's to say that they're going to do anything this season anyway? I already think that they're cooked. At worst, I mean, I'm sorry, at best, they're a play-in team. And I don't think that they have the requisite talent to do anything beyond that. But to give yourselves that chance to even make a run, to prove guys like me wrong, you have to have Nurk in, especially if those other two guys aren't going. Um, I mean, and then after the tag, man, they just separated them, and that was it. Of course, Tyler Hero and Nurkic were both escorted from the game, and they both received fines at this point. But, you know, tempers just flared from both sides. Nurkic was mad that he was losing, decided to get some get back. Yurt then called out the screen. Tyler Hero took offense to the screen, retaliated. Would you like to see some toughness and some fight? But at the same time, you know, it was just a lot to do about nothing in the end. I just hope that UD or a coach in today's film session called out Yurt for that. Because that was, I mean, sure, Tyler took offense to something that, honestly, he shouldn't have taken. He took on the wrong person, if we're being honest, as you stated. But, you know, that's a teachable moment for Yurt. Absolutely. And that happens. And that happens. But as we've stated, that's absolutely who his frustration should be directed at. His big man for not letting him know, hey, fool, you about to run into a brick wall. Yeah. By the way, you want to know where the Portland Trailblazers last rank in defense? Oh, my Lord. Probably 31. Close. You know, 32? They re re remove the he's third. They're 30th in the league. OK. Yeah. So a bit better than you said. Congrats. I mean, you, do you, do you the really, bar was the bar was the really? underground. <laughs> I mean, right? They're like a subway. Um, to the biggest incident of the night, man. Kyle Laurie's ejection. How Ooh, do you feel yeah, about I it? Did, well, okay, I did not watch the game, but I, I, mean, I did. I did. I did, I did watch. I did watch the clips. Right. And, that's what I was about to say. And I, 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 I media, looked to gather. So I looked to gather context on it. So, according to my research, putting my Twitter detective hat here, Kyle Lowry JJ earned Tracy. an ejection. Yeah. Although, I would rather you call me hmm, JJ Poro. That must be a Puerto Rican detective that I know nothing about. <laughs> Don't you know who the guy from the Agatha Christie novels? Whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, JJ, you just... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We'll just we'll call him J. Jerlock Holmes. Go ahead. That's a better one. You see, you okay. you always come through. Thank That's you. the creativity. Anyway, shit. What was? Oh yeah. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. He We're earned talking it, about then... your detective work and you forget the clues. <laughs> what? A, oh my god. 
Ty, uh, Kyle Lowry got hit with a, with a technical foul in the first half by a rookie ref who, you know, Kyle, I have said it before, Kyle, sometimes I get afraid that he's going to earn a technical that we don't need at that moment because he has a tendency to stay with the official. He's sometimes dribbling up the basketball court even long after the play has been blown dead. And he's still talking to the ref. And I sometimes get worried about that. So, couple of that with the fact that this was a rookie NBA ref. He probably kept talking to him throughout the game. And something as... not It wasn't even a slight. He just threw the ball at him like normally. But probably all he needed was a push. And called and just boil over. And that's what happened. And he got called for the second tee and that means an automatic ejection from the game did I get that correct absolutely bingo so what do you think about it I mean JJ you said it it was a cumulative call man Kyle Lowry has to know better he's gotten away with it all year he's gotten away with it his entire career and you have to imagine that there's a certain level of respect between him and most officials because of his tenure in the league, because of his stature in the league, because of him being a champion, an all-star. And I'm sure Kyle is a general good dude. It's just that they know how competitive he is and how much he wants to win. And this is something he's done for his entire career. And as you stated, this is something he's especially done throughout the entire year since he's been in Miami. It's not something we're not used to seeing based on his previous stops before this or based on the rest of the year. However, If you're Kyle, you have to know better. You have to know who you're dealing with. You have to know that that's a rookie official. You have to realize that after you already received the tech earlier in the game on a quick whistle for a call that, of course, had you doing your famous palms up, looking around like what the hell happened already, you have to be more aware than that. If you're in a situation where the guy could even begin to perceive you as offending him, you can't put yourself in that position. Set the ball down. Walk to the other way. Give the ball to another ref. Give the ball to one of your guys and let them give the ball to him. Anything. I just, I'm not blaming Kyle because he's a great player and he's a veteran. And, you know, he's still so culture, even though he does things like this, who we, which we wouldn't tolerate from anybody else. If it wasn't Kyle and his greatness and what he brings and we know this is just him, We wouldn't tolerate this as a culture. Just the Miami organization doesn't tolerate guys like this. But you know, and even Jimmy has a little bit, because Jimmy doesn't complain as much as he's going to let you hear what he has to think, what he has to say, or well, what he's thinking. Jimmy strikes me more as a guy that he'll say, he'll say something really out of pocket, but then he'll shut up. Right, he'll say it once, and that's what I mean. Jimmy will say it once. And, it's, and it's, it's just sort of similar in that they'll both speak their mind, whereas Kyle will kind of let you know all game long, hey, he did it right there. And, I mean, Kyle is working the refs all game, every free throw, every out of bounds. Um, I mean, Kyle is working the refs all game. So, as I mentioned, this has always been him, and this has definitely been him since he arrived in Miami. But at the same time, as I mentioned with all the factors, we've talked about the rookie ref already receiving the tech early on the quick whistle, as mentioned. He just has to know better in this situation. That's all. It was a cumulative call, as my guy Rich Nurse, who also writes for All You Can Heat, where you can again check us out for all your written Miami Heat content. Do your thing, JJ. Check it out, y'all. Um, I mean, he said it, man. It was a cumulative call on Cal Lloyd based on everything he had done in that game, everything he's done all year. And, you know, it was just a little nudge to let him know, hey, man, hey, man, we can't afford to not have you especially on a night where we don't have Jimmy Butler and especially on a night where we don't have Bam Adebayo. You're the third guy. You're the third all-star type. Tyler Hero is the second scoring option, but you're the third best player, and we need you to realize that. Yeah. So I think that's what I have to say about Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero. Let's move on to Phoenix. You there? Yeah, I'm still here. Keep it rolling. Oh, what Keep you rolling. got? Okay, what you got on Phoenix? Uh, well, 
I currently think they're the best team in the league. The Warriors have been slipping as of late. Steph Curry's MVP run has get, has hit kind of a snag. So hopefully that continues, although I like Steph as a player because I want to say to Kenneth that I was right in proving that Kevin Durant is the NBA MVP. I was just about to say, you just hope he keeps slipping so that I'm not right. Because you poo-pooed <laughs> my take. That's all that is. But go ahead. I mean, shit. Looks like... Right now, you gotta say I have the lead on that one. You? I I, I, I picked I pick KD for I, MVP. I know, but I think Steph is a click above him. Do I have KD as my two? Certainly. But I think when you look at Steph leading his team to being the number one team in the league, I think that gives him, you know what I mean, the slight edge there. Bro. The only, the, both okay, the only, the only point... The only point I'll give you is that Golden State is as good as you said they were going to be. Absolutely. I thought they were they I thought at best they would be a four seed. No, 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 no. You can see it coming, man. It was always coming back with a vengeance. You gave Draymond something to motivate him and Steph had something to look forward to. Hold on. And then you also had the, the, the clay factor. They always knew that clay was coming back and that gives you something to play towards. But go ahead. The only two things that I will say I highly, I massively underestimated was, and were Andrew Wiggins' incredible growth this season, mm-hmm. playing on borderline All Star level, and that's not an exaggeration. It's not, but I'm gonna tell you. But I, I sort of mentioned that too, and as I told no, you, no, I didn't I'm know. not saying he's an All Star. I'm just saying right. borderline All Star. Absolutely, and hold on, let me let me comment there for you, going because this is important, and I don't want to stop you from making the other point. I mentioned that. I didn't know that he would be as no no now mind you, you gotta say it right. I didn't know he would be as incrementally clutch for them as he is, but I referenced his two way ability. Like the fact that he can consistently give you fourteen, fifteen and then shut down the other wing guy or somewhat shut him down, that that is all star like in a Western conference on a Golden State team. It isn't gonna get him there, but I see what you're saying. And what's most surprising is his perimeter defense was probably the most criticized aspect of this game in Minnesota. That's Absolutely. something that he, that he just never showed any effort, I might say, even though he has always had the physical tools. He Absolutely. has, he but has he incredible de- physical tools. You saw the defense in college, man, but I guess playing beside Cat will make anybody not want to play defense. But don't... Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Hey, come on, man. He's a feral. He's a he's a Caribbean brother. He's he's Dominican. Come on. I mean, I understand that, but he's still a sieve on defense. Oh no, I'm not saying anything about Dominican's defense. I'm just oh, saying okay. that he's a good player. <laughs> I mean, but, to keep it to keep it in the Hispanic stratosphere. Ole! I'm sorry, I had to. That's that's from Spain, actually. But oh, isn't he, that is, is that not Hispanic? Oh yes, it's Hispanic. What? Oh, whatever. Oh, okay. What? What? I was, what, 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 whatever. I was gonna say I didn't say Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican. I my said friend, Hispanic, my man. friend, my friend Javi Rojo from El Calor de Miami would say that. But what did they say? God, this is it's hilarious. To, so we were talking about the Golden State Warriors. Okay, my final point on that because we still got a bit of time here. You want to do? Let's do a quick recap on the Western Conference, shall we? We haven't looked at them in a while. Only yeah, we can, give, our... we can give them a couple of minutes. Okay. So, my final thoughts on the Golden State thing. I believed in them, but I did not think they were as good as the record indicated. That's has been somehow, not going back to norm, but, you know, regressing a bit. They are not keeping the historical pace in which they were on. And... It all hinges on Clay and how close he is to former Clay, if he can ever be, because the defense will not be there. I don't think it will be there. And those are two major, probably the two worst lower body injuries that you can have, say, for getting a, a broken leg, and for and especially for a basketball player. I'm just listen. I I think people. I have said this before. I'll still say it. I know, Kenneth, you disagree with me. But I just, I can't, I'm really, I think people are 
taking clay for granted and the fact that he'll just come back to be clay and that clay might never might never be back after those injuries when you have a Steph Curry shooting the way he is when you have a Jordan Poole who's eventually going to be your sixth man when you have a Wiggins playing the way he is when you have Draymond playing at an all-star level and that's still just on the defensive and playmaking end you don't need Clay to be what Clay was. If Clay is 60% of what he is, you're still a lot better off than you are right now. And the closer he can get, and I do believe he can get the defense back. I'm not saying it's going to come back this year, but I do believe he can get that other stuff back. Um, but you're talking about Duncan Robinson on crack. That's the type of gravity that Clay has. Think about the gravity that Duncan Robinson has for us. And if you looked at the last couple of games where we haven't had Duncan Robinson, shut your face about his shooting because you can still see for everything you all have said out there that Duncan Robinson still tilts a court and Klay Thompson will do the same thing. But here's the kicker. We don't have a fucking Steph Curry on the other side. Golden State does. Point blank, period. I see no flaws there. It's just that I can't bring myself to agree taking past history into consideration. Still, they're a really good bet to come out of the West. Absolutely. Speaking okay, of- let me let me ask you this. I won't I won't lock you into it and I'm not begging you to agree with me, but I'll ask you this. Standing still, do you still think Clay could knock down eighteen out of twenty three pointers? Standing still. Yes. Well, that's all you need. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's all you need. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. We'll see what time will tell. Speaking of getting out of the West, where do you rank this team? These teams in terms of their ability to get out of the West: Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and Memphis. Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, then Memphis. Hmm. I'll probably have Phoenix first, and, and I'm, I'm gonna be, say, and I'm, and I'm gonna be honest gonna with say, you. I'm gonna say you're I'm gonna fall off your, your top I'm gonna, four. Who? I'm thinking these are your top four. Yeah, this is the top four in the Western Conference okay. right now. Okay. Okay. Well, no. Okay, I get that. I'm saying, are, do, do you think these are gonna be your top four guys come playoff time? Or the are these your? I'll, let me ask it a different way. No. Are these your top if, if, four okay. contenders to come out? I would say if the playoffs started today and the top four is set in that manner, in what order would you trust, like, which team would you pick first in terms of your confidence of them getting out of the West? Okay. See, the question, the way you're asking is confusing because that means I have to take the standings consideration. If what not, I know not about... Right, not right now. Just in the team's overall abilities when they're fully healthy. Okay, just to tell you what I think is going to happen based on what we've seen. Yeah. The top four teams that come out of the West. Yeah. And see, this is why I asked you first, because mine is going to really blow some people away. Um, Shit, I want to blow, blow some people. Okay. Away too. I think it's going to go Phoenix, Golden State, Utah, and then the Clippers. That's a... I, listen, the Clipper Paul George has not... We'll miss some time, though, Kenneth. So that's the only thing that would concern me, right? But Paul George, unless will be you're back depending, the elbow. unless unless you're depending on Memphis falling off, like failing to keep pace, and Dallas just succumbs to their woes. This is the, my thing, and, and the, the Lakers stay where they are. That. I agree with all that, but then you line me up in a seven-game series where you have a healthy Kawhi who's had 20 or so games to get his feet up under him, where you have Paul oh, but, George. But, oh, very quickly in that. Sorry to interrupt again, Kenneth. Mm-hmm. It's just that Chris Haynes reported earlier today that Kawhi is very ahead of, of schedule and a return to season. There's a strong possibility for him to return to season. Absolutely. That's why I'm mentioning this. Yeah, I'm if sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just, I just want oh, no, to make sure we're you. on the you're same giving, page. Yeah, you're giving it to the people. I got you, JJ. I'm just forwarding that notion, baby. So 
You have a healthy Kawhi that's had 20 or so games, 15 games or so, to get his legs back on them. You have PG who's been back in the lineup for 20, 25 games, getting his stuff back together. And you have the rest of those guys that have been sitting down there fighting, pulling out a couple of games and competing hard every day to play behind them. Tell me who wants to see that team in a seven-game series. Shit. I might even have them as my third team to get out if that happens. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot of ifs and buts, but I believe that those ifs and buts will come true. That's why I put them at four. But I agree with you, man, because, again, I'm thinking about it. Hell, even Golden State and Phoenix, it's not that they're itching to play that team in a seven-game series. Hmm. A lot will have to go right for them, though. Absolutely. I mean, but you're talking about a situation. And if there's something that, that doesn't ahead. happen for the Clippers, is things going right. Absolutely. I agree. But you're also talking about a situation where it goes Golden State, Phoenix, and then there really isn't. Go, okay, I'll give Utah that credit. Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, and then everybody else are really about the same. You can tell me that Memphis has separated themselves, but I'll tell you that they're young and that they haven't won anything yet and that the regular season isn't the playoffs. So while I see what they're doing and I give them their respect and they're up and coming because John Morant is for real. By the way, he was the best player in that draft and everybody that said take Zion Wilson number one should be feeling shitty about themselves right now. I was one of those people that said take John number one, by the way. But anyway, and it wasn't get because the, I didn't believe in Get the in hell Zion. out of here. Get I the was. hell out of here. I was, and it wasn't because I didn't believe in Ja. I just thought that taking Zion was risky because, and I told you, were we talking then? I told somebody then, a body that big and that explosive isn't meant to jump up and down 100 times in 48 minutes. That might be true, but oh man, I just I have such a hard time believing. You. I mean, everybody has Zion. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I'm, bro. How many freaking occasions have there been me going against the grain since you've known me in a very short time? How many times did that happen? Just say a lot. <laughs> a lot, I guess. Right, and and at least fifty percent of the time, I'm either on to some or right, right. Well, well, that's shit, man, because then that's 50-50. That's a 50-50 ratio, one-to-one ratio. Of course, you know, that's that's it's going to go if if you guess. Well, hell no, because you look at Bill Simmons, who's just a contrarian, and he's only right 5% of the time. I, you're not going to do that to me. Yeah, but we're you, not Bill Simmons. We're, we're, we're not Bill Simmons. You look at Skip Bayless, we're have, who's we a have to be better. You look at Skip Bayless, who's a contrarian, and he's only right 10% of the time. What I'm telling man, you, man, man if Skip I go, Bayless is a is a clown. Get the if fuck I go here. against the grain and I'm right half the time, I think that's pretty good, JJ. All right, whatever, fuck. Because groupthink, groupthink is gonna make some shit right a lot of the time. But either way, my thing was this though. I think John Morant is for real, but I just think that they're young and they still have to learn some things. And then also your your second or third best player, depending on how you view Desmond Bain. And Jaron Jackson Jr., he has to commit himself to getting rebounds every night. If he's not going to hit that glass every night, you're going to have a hard time winning in the playoffs. Triple J, every, you know, he was once on my fantasy team. I know that's not the NLB, but, you know, serves as a sort of reference point to when I first became aware of him when he came into the league. He was a blocks machine, by the way, in that first season. Phenomenal, really. Defensive stash. Well, see, and but, that's um, why everybody has been so high on him because I, I've never – don't get me wrong. I saw what he could be, but I never understood the hype. You had people that have been so high on him since he first came into the league, and I never understood all of that hype because a lot of guys have tools, but you either have the mentality or you don't. And any guy that's seven foot – with his athleticism and length that isn't averaging 10 boards, he doesn't have the but, mentality. By the way, you want to play a game? Can you guess kind of, how how much right? rebounds is he averaging this season? Probably like, this season? Probably like 4.6. 5.3. Okay, not not far away from what I said, though. But still, that's unacceptable, as you said, for yeah. such a big man. You're seven foot, bro. You, gotta, you got to have at least a 30-inch vertical. 
probably more. You're seven I mean, foot and your long is all outdoors. You should be averaging at least nine boards, but I need ten. He's a guy. Unfortunately, if you believe in you hate to that. say it, but he's soft. No, no, okay, he's soft. No, no, no. I'm just gonna say he spends a lot of time out in the perimeter for a big man. Because he's soft, JJ. Because he's soft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fuck, man. I've been avoiding saying it for ten minutes. He's soft. He's too damn soft. That's why they're not coming out the West. This hey, man. Year. I'm not. I'm JJ not gonna get too it. Too damn soft, and they won't give Stephen Adams the minutes. But I got grass. I, I won't. I won't call a grown NBA player soft. I'll call a seven-foot uh, guy that's as long and gangly as JJJ with all the talent and athleticism in the world that's only averaging 5.3 rebounds soft. I will, especially when you just said what everybody's thinking. The guy hovers around the perimeter too much. He could average 15 points at the cup if he wanted to if he didn't hover his ass around the three-point line all game. But he wants to be a small forward instead of using all that body and God-given ability to his benefit. Plain and simple. And I'm not saying he can't get better. I'm just saying, as of now, he still plays too soft. He got to get in there and hit that glass. Use that body. Use that ability. Memphis is paying you like a primetime player. And I'm not in your pockets, brother. But what I'm saying is, right now, you still in money. Damn. Okay. Um, this season he's currently averaging 5.8 three-point attempts per game that's his second highest mark of his career which stood at 6.5 three-point attempts per game and you know another point of Memphis and then we move on there's something fortunately involving also involving Triple J is that Triple J's um, in Injury concerns are too much to overcome. And that gives him a bit of pause in Memphis. So right now, we have coming out the West. Phoenix, Golden State, Utah. I'm going to say Denver because of Nikola Jokic. Apparently, Canada's AirPods went dead. So we're going to close it out here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We we really appreciate it as it helps the show grow. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. You can follow me and Kenneth on social media. You can check out the Twitter bio of the podcast account, and you'll find us there. So, see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>